0: First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. Now you pray for those that are not here. We have some that are under the weather. You continue to pray for uh, uh, Bob Sweeney as he recovers from heart surgery. Uh, pray for, uh, like I said, one another, families and lo- lost loved ones. You you pray for one another. Pray for our country. Now this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as promised, and I hope today that after I preach this message uh, that I'm not out of a job because I'm preaching on choose your pastor wisely. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your path. So I'm preaching on preachers today, pastors. And she's like, wow, that's good. I, I, yeah, you get to sit there, and, and, and we're going to preach on preachers and the importance of having the right kind of pastor involved in your life. It's important. And so let's read some scripture. Let's get a context from the Word of God and let's see what God has to say about what church you're in or what pastor you're sitting under. Now, this is also, we have folks that are looking or visitors as they come in. And and I wished all the visitors who were here today, uh, I could help them a little bit on what are you looking for when you're looking for a home church? What are you looking for? Uh, so many people they'll say, uh, "Well, I, I'm I'm looking for do they have uh, laser lights, smokes, and beers?" And boy, do I just get a good good vibe? No, that's not what you're looking for. If you're looking for a church, um, the first thing you should be looking at would be the pastor. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you found your place this morning. And let's begin in verse 1. And he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able." For ye are yet carnal; for as there is among you envies and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For a while one saith, I am of Paul; and another, I am Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now you need to mark that down because... When you get saved, everything you do after you get saved, you're going to earn a reward. Like these children this morning earned an award for uh, good conduct and for memorizing scripture verses and things of that nature. And so it is with you and I and anybody that's saved, you are earning rewards in heaven and the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to get to that here in a minute, will determine that reward. For we are laborers together with God, your God's husbandry. You are God's building. That's what I want us to begin to key on. If you're saved and born again, God likens you to a building. As I've said, well, since I've been down here, because the Bible says it, the church is not these four walls. We have a beautiful church. I love it. I love preaching in this pulpit. Uh, I love that the air conditioner is working. Uh, I, I enjoy. I'm very comfortable here. I get into another pulpit and I'm a little, I'm a little uncomfortable until I kind of get back into the swing of things, but not here. I'm very comfortable. I like it. But this is not the church. We call it a church. The church is sitting in the pews this morning. If you're born again, you are a building. You are God's building. And he says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. This is Paul. He was the pastor. He had started this church. And he says, a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation And another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day, shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now for today. Lord, help us during this time. Uh, Lord, I know I'm getting ready to really not preach a popular message, but it's a message that is one practical, but again, it is very important in the day that we live in that your children sit under The right kind of a builder, a pastor, it is important. Help us now gain insight from the Word of God. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. As we've seen here, he begins to say that he was a wise master builder. Let me say this, how you build a house is important if you're having one built. The materials you use and the quality of the craftsmanship building it is important. Now, having spent my life, basically all I've done is construction. I was a plaster by trade. Now, construction, so I know a little bit about carpentry, a little bit about plumbing, just enough to get myself in the trouble and cause a big mess. But plastering... Now that's what I was, uh, I I knew. I served an apprenticeship. Uh, We owned a business and we did it. We made our living at it. My brothers still making their living at it. Meaning if you're not good at what you do, you kind of starve to death. And uh, so it is important how you do things, build things. And your body, now that you're saved, is the temple of God. The Bible says this. And first Peter chapter two, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. So if you're saved, you're a spiritual house. In Christ. When you first get saved, that's the foundation that is laid. And he says, No other foundation can be laid than that is laid, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me put it to you like this if you've not been born again, if you're not trusting in the lo- lovely Lord Jesus Christ, uh, then you don't have the right foundation. And as I found out in my experience, if you're doing something and you don't have the right foundation, if you're trying to build a house, one of the first things you got to do is make sure its foundation is ready to receive the next building material. Uh, if I'm working on a wall and I'm coming in for a remodel job, i got to make sure the wall is able to allow me to adhere, whether it be mechanically or uh, through a glue, the system that I'm going to put on it. You, it's got to be good. If if you have a, a, what we call a substrate, is what we call it. If your substrate's no good, what you put over it's not going to be any good either. It's going to crumble. If you begin to build a house and your foundation's no good, sometimes people buy fixer-uppers. Let me tell you something. You better make sure that foundation's okay because you don't want to have foundation problems. People want to put fancy carpet in, fancy cabinets in, and (laughs) their windows are no good. Their foundation's got cracks in it. I got news for you. You need to put more money into the foundation and the windows and your claddings, then you do the fancy carpet. You're replacing that in six to ten years anyway. I've advised many clients when they're building a home and they come to exterior claddings such as stucco or brick or stone. I've done a lot of cultured stone uh, in my life. Don't nobody get any ideals. I'm not hankering for work. (laughs) I advise them always do not cut corners when it comes to your system. In a stucco system, you have a barrier system. You have a drainage system. The drainage system is more costly than a barrier system. But a barrier system, if you ever get water in behind it, you've got problems. So a water drainage system. And people want to spend big money on uh, paver stones or stamped concrete or carpet or fancy paints, and then they cut corners on other items. A lot of times in the trades, uh, you get in there, and that's why there's building inspectors, because sometimes builders trying to cut corners, I'm sure none of that would ever happen down here. Uh, You're supposed to put steel in the footers, and they'll get in there, and the building inspector will put it, he'll look at it, make sure it's in there, sign off on it, and they get ready to pour the concrete footer, and they take it out. Or they put steel uh, in the walls or in the concrete walls. Or they're supposed to pour the block walls and put steel in it and they'll take it out. A lot of times I've seen them as they pour driveways. You put this road mesh down because that keeps that concrete from falling apart and they'll put it down, it gets inspected. As soon as the inspector's gone, they pull the, the metal up, take it down to the next driveway and they pour the concrete right on the ground. And when your warranty wears out, in about three years, about the fourth or fifth years, when your concrete starts falling apart. Let me give you a little advice while I'm on that. Never buy a home that was part of a show. Like uh, up where I come from, Homerama is a big thing. I've worked on a number of Homerama shows. And what that is, that's just a real fancy word for a bunch of builders that get together and want to build some fancy houses in a subdivision and then sell them at exorbitant, Cost to people that want to come in and they want these big fancy houses. (laughs) There's somebody going to kill me. But I know it to be true because I've worked on them. I quit working on Homerama homes back in the day because they were being done so cheap. But boy, they had the cosmetics. I'd get up to stucco a chimney. I remember one time my father and my brother and I, we was getting ready to stucco this chimney. And I grabbed a hold of it, and the only thing holding that wood framing on there was the metal flashing. It would just, I'd move it eight inches this way and eight inches that way. I said, I can't go over that. That's going to blow down in the first windstorm. Oh, problems. So how you build a house, it matters. Now let's get to the point where I want to get to today. Pastors, have been given to help you build your spiritual house. That's why we come together today. We're going to spend a little time working on your spiritual house. You need to learn more about God. You need to learn more about Christ. And so you need that gold and that silver and that precious stone in your life to help build you up because Christ said you need to add to your faith. A lot of people stop with the foundation and throw up a tent and say, Hey, everything's good. Yeah, not until the rainy season hits. I've never been in a tent that didn't leak. He says build a house, a spiritual house, and your pastor is to help you. Take your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Because the apostle Paul said he was a wise master builder. And by the way, if you're getting ready to have a house built, you need a lead carpenter, a master builder. You don't. <laughs> there's a difference between a carpenter and a lead carpenter. There's a difference between a plaster and a lead plaster. Not everybody can set a job up. Not everybody understands what side of the house they need to start on. Uh, <laughs> whether it be framing, boy, we learned a lot of things about carpentry work when we built a couple homes. Dad built his home. My brother, uh, we built his home, and the first thing we learned is we are not carpenters. We are plasters. And we had to hire a wise master builder, someone that knew how to square things up and knew how to start from the footers and the foundation and then begin to build that framing. I remember hiring a, a fa- my father hiring Bob Segmiller. And uh, he brought a couple of men with him, and they were wise master builders. Man, it's awesome to have somebody that actually knows what they're doing, doing work as you're building a home, a professional. And pastors, let me give you this verse here in Ephesians 4. The Lord said that he gives some gifts to the church. That's you. That's you if you're born again. And he says, verse 9, Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that is descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? For the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means to be brought into maturity, to build up, to edify for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. That word edifying means to build up of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith. He said, until God calls us out of here. So your pastor... And your church teachers, they're here to help build you up. And it is important what kind of a pastor you're sitting under. Now, the Apostle Paul gets the church on the same page by saying, look, we all got to start off the same foundation. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've not been born again there's no sense trying to do anything. If a person's not been born again, there's no sense trying to disciple them. If they've not been born again, you cannot give them the milk of the Word of God, the clostrum. Everybody know what clostrum is? Clostrum is a first milk. When little animals are, are born, it's important that they uh, uh, nurse from their mother within that first 45 minutes to two hours because there's claustrum. They get the antibodies uh, uh, from the mother. They, they get uh, what they need from that mother to give them a good start in life because they're born with no antibodies in their system. Human babies are the same way. Christians are the same way. Born again Christians, uh, they get saved and they need that claustrum. So as soon as possible, you need discipled. You need the claustrum of the Word of God. I teach the Word of God. I teach the claustrum doctrines. And you say, man, I've never heard that. Well, it's something I tag to it. I give you the milk. I'm teaching discipleship classes for our adult Sunday school class. If you've never been discipled, so I don't even know what it is. Then you need discipled. You need to be here for adult Sunday school class. If you don't know how you were saved, why you're saved, or what saved you, you need discipled. If you don't know why it would be important to be a church member, what does the Holy Spirit do? What is his ministry? And be able to show that to me in the Word of God. You need discipled. You need building. Just because you're saved doesn't mean it's done. Now we got to start building your spiritual house and you want to be able to sit under a preacher that won't give you what you want, but give you what you need. There's a whole lot of stuff going on that's giving people what they want but not what they need. And you need the word of God. You need the gold. You need the silver. You need the precious stone. You do not need the hay. You do not need the stubble. You do not need all that junk and the wood that's just going to burn up its fluff, its emotionalism, and it will not help you throughout the week. So it is important who you're sitting under. Here's what the Bible says. In Hebrews, let me give you a Bible verse on this before I go to this point. In Hebrews chapter 13, here's what you're looking at. I'm looking for a new church. I need a church home. Here's here's what you're looking at. You're not looking like if you like the song service or not. Well, I just didn't like your song service because you're not hip. We're not going to be hip. Well, you're just old fashioned. You don't want to change. Let me tell you something. If it was right 100 years ago, it's still right. If it was wrong 100 years ago, it's still wrong. It's still the same Bible. So what's changed? Something's changed. What has changed? It's not the Word of God. It's not how God thinks about it. It's preachers. It's people. Here's what your Bible says. Verse 7 in Hebrews 13. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the Word of God, Now watch what he says, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. That word conversation means what kind of ethics does your pastor have? He says you need to look at that man and figure out what kind of ethics. That word conversation is his ethics. What is his ethics and can you follow those ethics? You need to consider that: Is he going to lead me closer to God or farther from God? That's why I'm not up here with a mohawk this morning and a T-shirt and skinny jeans, trying to be all hip and popular with you. Try to preach to you, and I wouldn't be preaching to you. I'd be giving you some psycho babble about how beautiful you are, no matter what they say, and how good you are, and never tell you once about God wants to use you, God needs you, God wants you, but He wants a sanctified. People, he wants you born again, and he wants you brought up, and he wants the framing built right in your Christian life. It's important, and so that's what you're looking at when you come into church. Can I follow that pastor? His ethics. Here's what you need to be thinking about if you was going to build a house, or if you're going to build people up in the faith. You need to build with the end in mind. He said over there in First Corinthians chapter 3 that there was a judgment seat of, of Christ coming. There was fiery judgment coming, meaning that you need to build your life in such a way that you can weather the storms of life. You need to build your life in such a way spiritually that when you get the judgment seat of Christ, you're not embarrassed in front of the rest of us because you thought it was just too cool to be down at the hip-hop church dancing up on the stage, doing the little whatever dance they do and feeling good because it's going to burn. So you've got to build with the end in mind. You need to build knowing that the judgment seat of Christ is coming. You need to build knowing that your works are going to be judged by Christ. You need to build knowing that you need to use the right kind of materials. If you're going to build a church right, it takes time. I've always known, church, that we could have had the church house filled this morning if we had a big, famous, big-name Southern Gospel group band in and then advertise it. I know about advertising. I know about that, but that's not going to help us. I'm not saying all music is wrong. I love music. I love to sing, but God says emphasize preaching, not music. we got to have music. It's important. It tunes our hearts, but we don't need to build our church on music because when the music's gone, the people will be gone sometimes people get in and want to build it on a camp meeting shout and they get in they get all hooping and hollering it's all exciting and we bamboozle the people when they get up here holler and scream and run around a little bit and act a little silly skip a little bit jump and roll and run the back of the pews but let me tell you something when the shout's gone the people will be gone you got to build it on the word of god you got to build with the right materials And you got to build knowing that it needs to abide. Look with me in verse 14 in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If any man's work abide, that means it's got to be able to stay standing. That's why the children sang that song this morning on building your house upon the rock. Because when the rains come down, it's not going to be destroyed. The Lord says that a wise man builds his house on the rock using the right materials, but the fool... Builds on the shifting sand. Just like when you're building a physical house, it takes a knowledgeable carpenter to build your spiritual house. It will take a knowledgeable builder. There's a difference between, and I'm seeing this, a preacher and a pastor. Not every preacher is a pastor. Take your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 3 because Paul said he was a wise master builder. A wise master builder. This would solve a whole lot of problems in our churches if the people knew how to be how to choose a pastor wisely. You say, well, I'm taking notes, preacher, and we're having a vote after services. Amen, that's fine. I'll go when you tell me to go, and God will have something else for me. But I'll stay as long as God tells me to stay, or you say that I can stay. But while we're here, and while I am here, I will be preaching the book, and you will get the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Because I want to be a wise master builder for the Lord and to build you up in life Because I know there's some rain coming. I know that there's some fiery judgments coming in your life. And you're going to need something more than hip-hop and bebop to get through it. So I'm wise master builder. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop. He's talking about a pastor. So folks, this is what you're looking for. He desireth a good work. Being a pastor is a good work. It's a great work. It's a hard work. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I can't do it without God and my wife. A bishop then must be blameless. Now watch this. The husband of one wife. So here's the first thing you're looking at. And to choose your wise master builder. Is he a home builder or a home wrecker? I mean, if you're having your home built, you don't wanna hire a demo crew. You need a carpenter, you need a builder, not a demolition expert. It's, I always thought I was in the wrong trade. I, I think I was better at demo than I was at actually plastering. I can get it apart. And was I, when I was a kid growing up, I could always tear things apart. It was getting them back together that was hard. Couldn't quite get that all accomplished. But he's saying, is he a home builder... Or a home wrecker. It's important. I mean if you're having trouble in your marriage. You don't want to be sitting under a pastor who's been buried 15 times. Doesn't know what he ends up and can't keep his act together. I mean it does make a difference. You say, Oh preacher we can forgive and forget. Yeah but we're talking about building your spiritual house. It has nothing to do with the sin being forgiven. It has to do with can he do the work. A builder. So is he in the demo or actual construction? You say, "Well, what happened here?" Remodels are completely different than new construction. <laughs> the apostle Paul was not doing a remodel. He was doing new construction. He said, "I laid the foundation. I didn't lay this foundation, but I had to take her down to the foundation." And when I say I, I mean the Lord did. Sometimes you get in that in the remodels, rehabs. You can't build on top of a bad foundation or bad framing. If the framing's rotted, it's got to come out. Don't cover it up. And you know me, I ain't covering it up. I'm going to expose it, confront it, and deal with it. And if that offends... You don't like it? I can't help it because I'm not going to build your spiritual house up on wood that's rotted. I'm going to tell you it's rotted. It ain't right. A master builder. Look with me in verse 4. Number 1. Well, let's read the rest of verse 2. It's good. He should be vigilant. He should be sober of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. He should be able to teach and handle the Word of God. Number 3. Not given to wine. No strike. Why why, why would he throw that in there? You don't want to have to call your preacher at 12 midnight and he can't, and you need him, you need him to come to the house, but he's drunk. Well, uh, I can't I can't drive. I can't drive. You can't have that for a pastor. That's not a wise master builder. You can't have a wise master builder that shows up drunk on the job either. His work's not gonna be no good. You gotta be (laughs) sober. Not a striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre. (laughs) I had to learn real quick, we weren't going to get rich (laughs) in the business. (laughs) You can't be driven by greed. A lot of preachers today driven by greed. What they do is they use churches for stepping stones. And so when the next church comes along that offers them a little more money, a little bigger congregation, maybe in a better location, they're gone. And here's what they say. God called me. Sorry, folks ain't happening here's how i've been taught you leave a church better than you found it oh you don't leave yeah amen so we better get good i'm planning on sticking around and by the way i want to get old i want to die as a pastor here but still you got to be a wise master builder you need a wise master builder so you can be built up in the faith then he says in verse four one that ruleth well his own house there it is That means he has some rules in his house. He's married. He's got a wife. He has some children. Now, let me tell you something. Here's why this is important. We got to have rules. We have rules here. We got standards here. But as a husband, having to try to keep the peace in the home and keep a home. Do you think it's been easy being married to me for 30 years? (laughs) It's been easy being married to Jen, but maybe not me. But as a pastor, you know, here, I get full of myself maybe on a Monday morning. And say, hey, hey, let me tell you something here. I don't say, old woman. <laughs> that gets a skillet up my head. All right, let me tell you something. I, I'm the head of the house here. You get in there and get me some breakfast. cooked. I'm going to lay the law down around here. <laughs> let me tell you something. You better be prepared to backtrack on that a little bit if you won't keep the peace. <laughs> as the older men say, and the older men are teaching the younger men, you got to know what battles you can fight and what battles you don't want to fight and what hills you want to die on and what hills you don't want to die on. And let me tell you this, if Obama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So he's telling you that this pastor needs to know he might know the right way to go and what they need to do, but he has compassion. He rules his house well. He doesn't put things on on his wife or his children that are too hard to bear, but he works with them. He brings them along gently, and he knows just how much to put on them to get them to go the way God wants him to go. If he can't rule his own house well, he will not rule the house of God well. I believe that a pastor's wife needs to be part of the ministry. When God called the pastor, he called his wife. The Bible says they're one flesh. I don't really give, I don't care a whole lot for these pastors where their wives never show up. Their wives are never involved in the church. They don't want to do nothing. There's a problem with that. There's division. He's not ruling his house well. And you need to be careful about sitting under that. Oh, I know I'm popular now. But it is the truth. He said, rule the house well. That's how you know if you've got a wise master builder. Is he a servant leader? I understand sometimes if I want the dishes done and they've not been done, maybe I need to get up and do them. If the trash needs to be taken out, maybe I need to get up and take them out. If the grass needs to be mowed, I need to initiate that and get it done. Not my wife. I rule well. I can see. I can be proactive. And I can set goals and say, this is what i got to do. Step one, step two, step three to get it done. After all, men, you ain't married to your mommy. You're supposed to be a man. You're supposed to be a leader. And especially so in a Pastor. The men of the church didn't have to get a hold of me and sit me down and say, "You know, the basement around the house really needs to be painted, Pastor." You know, we kind of see it needs said, No, I did that. I know that it needed to be done. Why? Well, not only am I a pastor, but not only am I head of my house, but I, I I can see this on the outside that needs a coat of paint on it. We got to keep up with it. The windows need to be caulked. That's not Jenny's job to come and get me and say, I think you need to caulk the windows. and think you need to do that. I should be able to see that and get it done. If I can't rule my own house well, how could I rule the house of God? So it's important. How's that man live outside of church? Is he a compassionate leader? Does he lead through love and loyalty? Like I told the church a few weeks ago, You interview, churches need to interview the pastor's, the preacher's wife, not the pastor. You can learn a whole lot about how he is when you can't see him by how his wife acts around him. You need to ask her. Does he take trash out? (laughs) Or do you got to tell him? (laughs) You know, does he help you around the house? Is she afraid of him? Is she afraid to speak her mind? is she intimidated by him if she is that's a good indication that's not the right dude for you i like my men here to be independent thinkers leaders they see something say something see the lead need take the lead i don't need just a bunch of yes men say okay pastor oh yeah pastor let me bow down and worship you no we don't need that that's not a wise master builder. We're a team. We're working together. Yeah, every job has a superintendent. Every job has a lead carpenter. But he ain't God. We're following God. Is his family on the same page with him in the home? Mm. You should not even consider a pastor that can't get his family on the same page in the home. That cannot run the home Right. They're having problems in the home. You're not ready for pastoring. And you as a church should not have somebody like that. I mean, after all, if I'm coming in here preaching on how to keep a family together, and you walk in on me and Jenny, and I'm sitting there screaming and hollering at her and shoving things around, and you walk in on that, will my preaching be just as effective as it was before you knew that? Of course not. And by the way, that don't happen. That ain't going to happen. I don't believe in that stuff. If you can't intelligently, as a man, sit down and explain yourself, what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what direction you're going in, it's best if you just keep your mouth shut. Because women are going to be twice as smart as you are. And there is a time after about the second child that they grow brains. Sometimes after the first child, and they're just going to put up with a whole lot of nonsense, a lot of stupidity out of men now i'm on the men but because men men there's but a man pastor and if he can't get himself together in his home what happened brother dennis had to come up every sunday morning get me out of bed so i'd come down here and preach (laughs) call me hey preacher we're down here are you coming to are you coming to church today ain't nobody done that here since i've been down you won't either Why? Because I knew I had to do that way before God called me to pastor. I was going to have to get up every day, go to work every day, provide for my family every day, whether I felt like it or I didn't feel like it. There's a lot of days I don't feel like working. There's a lot of days I don't feel like preaching. But the Bible says be instant in season and out of season. Do it when you like it and do it when you don't like it because there's got to be some consistency in your pastor and then he says not a novice that means he shouldn't be a beginner you know how people are when they newly get married honeymoon love working small problems out but after you get past the five year mark you should be working pretty good a well-oiled machine jenny (laughs) what was it the other day We were sitting there, I didn't say a word to her, we were sitting there, she come back in and she had a bowl of ice cream and something else for me. I'm like, how did you know I wanted that? I was literally getting ready to ask her to go get, she said, I've been married to you for 30 years. I could tell by the way, you were sitting over there, you were ready for ice cream for tonight. We said, what that is, that's a well oiled machine. And then for her, I just give her all my money. Well-oiled machine, man. But we're on the same page. What bill's got to be paid? When? How we communicate. If you're a pastor, if the man you want to be a pastor can't communicate in his home with his own wife and his own children, how could he communicate to you? Not a novice. Does he know the word of God? Is he not full of pride? You don't want a pastor full of pride. And is his course settled? Yep. We're not getting the laser lights and the smoke show next week. I'm not going to be bent by every wind of doctrine that comes sweeping through. Every new little thing that comes through to try to get people interested. I'm not bringing, I'm not becoming like the world to be like the world. It ain't working like that. We're to be a light to the world. We're to be in the world, but the world is not to be in us. Then you build to last. Not only build with the end in mind, not only do you need a wise master builder, in the Bible, God's code book, his handbook tells you what kind of a man is going to make a wise master builder. You got to build to last. If you're building a house, you're trying to build a house to keep you cool in the summer, to keep you warm in the winter, and to keep you dry in the rain. If is up north, dry from the snow too it needs to withstand the storms of life that would be your infirmities you're going to need some of the word of god down in you to help you get through your infirmities when you might have to fight a disease or go through cancer and 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 fight that thing and you're going to get down and you're going to need something more than hip-hop to get you through those times when you're down and you're low and you're depressed. You're going to need the Scripture, the Word of God, where God says His grace is sufficient. But if your preacher's never preached that and he's never shared that with you and he's never told you or taught you that, you're going to have some problems abstaining or getting through the affirmities in life. Building to last, you're going to have to be able to build a spiritual house that will withstand the winds. That's the every winds of doctrine. The Bible says be careful about the doctrines of devils and every wind of doctrine. We don't need to jump on whatever's popular. We've got to be able to have enough of the Word of God and the gold and the pure teaching of the Word of God, which is a picture of gold, to get down in, into us to be able to spot the false, the wood, the hay, and the stubble and say, I'm not bending to that. Then you've got to be able to withstand the rain of life. That's those spiritual battles. That's those mental, mental battles. And anxiety problems, and everybody deals with them in this day and time. You're going to need a spiritual house that'll help you withstand the spiritual battles in life. Let me give you this by way of illustration. After Hurricane Katrina, when the cleanup process was going on, it was found that the houses that had been built to code held up a lot better than the houses that had not been built to code. Hurricane clips are important in the roof sheeting. Hurricane clips, you know, we even install them up where I lived in Indiana in the framing because we get those tornadoes that come through. You get 160 mile an hour wind, you want to be able to keep the sheeting on the roof of your house. Now, you might lose your shingles, but if you don't have the hurricane clips, that's so it can withstand more wind pressure. It's going to blow them off. Why? Because they wasn't built to code. We need to build to code. God's code. This is the code book. This, we do things biblically here. In case you were wondering why we wasn't in the latest movement that seems to be working so great and people just flocking into that. And preacher, why aren't we doing that? Because we're building to God's code. Because there's a judgment seat of Christ coming. And you are going to give an account for what kind of preacher you sat under. Bible preaching is what God said to do. He told Timothy... Preach the word of God. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, negative. Rebuke, negative. Exhort, one positive. That's a formula. God says you preach them two negative message for every one positive. I know there's a lot of churches that don't have God's building code. They preach all positive and no negative. Guys, it's not all fluff and ice cream. Sometimes you got to eat your veggies. And the older you get, you find that out. Build to God's Bible teaching. You need to know what you believe and where to prove it. You need, if you're sitting here this morning, you don't know why you're a Baptist, you need to be discipled. Oh, I just thought all churches were the same. No, they're not. Well, preacher, don't, don't look down. preach. No, I'm telling you, you're going to give an account for what church you're sitting in. You're going to give an account for what preacher you listen to because the Bible says you're supposed to be following that man's faith. And if he's laying drunk on a Monday, I wouldn't be following that clown. If he's running off with a skirt somewhere, I definitely wouldn't follow that clown. You say, well, you're a pastor. I can't believe you'd say that. Hey, God's rule book. How do you think you get bad, uh, Get rid of bad pastors? Men that disqualify themselves in the work of the Lord. Yeah, amen. I mean, you got to say, hey, well, I'm not sitting under that. I can't sit under that. You, I'm not going to let somebody that's running around and drinking and cheating on his wife and, and, and goofing up over here and, and he's laying around, be, keeps being the pastor. Well, no. You see... Let me ask you this question. Do you want to make it through life's fires? The pastor you're sitting under matters. How he lives his life matters. That's why uh, my doors are always open. You can come and, and come into my house, see how I live. You can catch me out. I'm not, I'm not going to be up there mowing the grass with my shirt off. You don't have to worry about that. Jenny ain't laying in the backyard in a two-piece. Now if you do that, your business, but you're not going to come past the house and see that out of your pastor. Why? Because I rule well my house. And I just ain't doing that. Why? That's not a good example for people to follow. How he lives matters. How he teaches matters. How he preaches matters, because you will give an account at the judgment seat of Christ on how you built your spiritual house. You need a wise master builder. You say, well, I just need just me and God. Well, God said, no, you need to get under a wise master builder, a pastor that's worth his salt. And then he showed you what it, with the bare minimums he needs before you even consider that. And then he says, you're going to follow that man's faith as he follows Christ. Here's what you're doing. You're looking at the word of God, looking at me. As you walk and I lead us, you're looking at the Word of God, looking at me to make sure I'm not straying off the path. Look at the Word of God. Look at me. If you can't see Christ through me, there's a problem. There's a problem. I was telling Sister Mary, she'd be watching this morning. I said, there's one of the things, I know I'm not a great pastor. I know I might have some chinks in my armor, maybe some weakness, or maybe I'm a little too timid outside the pulpit. But let me tell you something, what the Bible says pure religion is. You visit the fatherless... You visit the widows in their affliction and you keep yourself unspotted from the world. That's pure religion. If I don't ever get anything else accomplished. I want to do that. I want to be a Bible preacher, Bible teacher. I want to love my people. I want to help my people. I want to help you build your spiritual house. But I'm also going to tell you when you're using wood, hay and stubble, we can't use that to build with because it won't last. Marriages don't last because there's too much wood, hay, and stubble. Churches don't last because there's too much wood, hay, and stubble. It's got to be built on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts there. It starts on the book. It's what God says matters. How God said to do it matters. If your pastor doesn't know the difference between good music and bad music, God's music and the devil's music, I, I-, I wouldn't stay there. There is a difference. There is a devil. He does have music. What kind of music does he like? Well, you wouldn't want that in the house of God. There should be good standards. As I told the Sunday school class, we're not running a brothel up here. We're not getting ladies up here Uh, in two pieces and and, and whatever else they want to dress in and try to praise and worship and turn this into a lust fest. It's not happening in the house of God. It's not happening here. He said, boy, I don't like that preacher. We're going to use gold and silver and precious stones. The last thing any man wants to do if he's trying to keep his life right with God is come into a church and have to deal with bad thoughts because some woman is half-dressed, parading herself around, and he's lusting after her. The Bible says if a man looks after a woman and lusts after her, he's committed adultery with her. That should never go on in the house of God. But I'm afraid it does in a lot of houses of God or houses. Not here. You say, well, I wondered, preacher. I wondered about that. I seen everybody, you know, you kind of dress a little different. I don't care how y'all come in and sit down there. The lost, I, I get it. But I'm not parading flesh in front of everybody. You don't know people's background, what they've had to battle in life. It's going to be pure, sanctified. You say, I just don't like that. That's okay. But who's building on your house? God's going to inspect it. And if you want it to withstand, you're going to have to use gold and silver and precious stones. And who you're sitting under does matter. And I hope today after the service you don't say, you know what, I've seen them require. I've seen that stuff, we need to have a meeting. I don't think so. If I wasn't worth my salt, I'd have never preached it. I'd have kept it hidden and never said nothing about it. Nah, ain't doing that. Why? Because I'm not afraid of it. I meet the requirements. I've been tested, I've been examined, and I'll keep being examined. My life is an open book, and i keep gonna going to keep being accountable to you. We have problems in our churches because we have problems with the pastors and preachers. I know I've been a little rough on preachers. They don't want to communicate with each other. They don't want to, they don't want to uh, honor one another. That's a shame. You would think that your pastor would have more on the ball than the average person. There was a time when your pastor was the most educated man in the town. What happened to that? What happened to that? It does matter who you're sitting under. Let's stand this morning.